Hi, welcome. Today I'm joined by Mike Hatch. Mike uh, is one of our LifeStage pastors and also helps to oversee some of our men's ministry. Welcome, Mike. Thanks. Good to be and here again. Today on Ask a Pastor, we're going to address several questions that you have sent in as listeners. So if you have questions, please send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com. We'll be happy to address them on a future podcast and uh, an episode of Ask a Pastor. So Mike, here's a, here's a question. And this is about spiritual warfare. And the, the person writes in and says, the idea that there is evil and good forces acting on us at all times, attempting to affect our decision-making as well as our actions, whose effects ripple out into the world with negative and positive outcomes. When this comes up in social conversations, how do you react and discuss it without sounding crazy? So, uh, so kind of the idea here is they're saying spiritual forces, most people in our culture probably say, I don't know if there's, you know, Satan on one uh, shoulder and an angel on the other, demon and angel, how, how do I, uh, and how, so yeah. first, how do you see that? And then really, how do you interact with that or encourage people to interact? Yeah, I love that question because you're right that most people, we are so um, over-reliant or dependent on that empirical uh, uh, data or scientific proof. You can't read an article today anywhere without asserting anything, without first having a foundation of scientific study or something like that. Uh, and so I think we're so dependent on our senses that to think outside of that is, uh, is hard for us to do, to accept the fact that there's a spiritual realm. But the Bible does talk about a spiritual realm, for sure, that, that's happening in the background. Um, maybe that we can't perceive. And, uh, and it's funny because there's a, there's a book that I uh, read once called Inevitable. It's uh, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future by a guy named Kevin Kelly. He's a futurist, kind of a humanist kind of guy. But he, um, he, one of the things he asserts in the book is he talks about how it's really hard through the internet to define truth sometimes. And, he's, and he gets to this one statement where he says, 96% of all matter and energy in our universe is outside of our vision. He actually he asserts the fact that, that we don't know a vast majority of, of what makes up reality, actually. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually grateful that we have the Bible, which actually can serve as our standard and tell us truth about some of these things that seem outside of our ability to, to conceive. And so... Um, I think, first of all, we need to acknowledge this backdrop of uncertainty and, uh, and, and our own ignorance in, in the midst of it, you know. Um, and so I will say that normally as I talk to someone who, who may not have that biblical perspective, I might think, I, I would personally, I think, bring up the fact that there's a lot that we don't know. And to say that something is, isn't reality altogether can actually be more arrogant in, in a sense, and I don't say it that way to the no, person, that's right. but, yeah, I get that. but then, then to maybe consider the fact that something may be there, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and so, yeah, the Bible talks about a spiritual realm for sure filled with angels and demons and cherubim. Um, Ephesians 6, I'll, I'll just bring this up real quick, talks about um, the, the battle that's being fought uh, behind the scenes um, and the spiritual forces that are, that are at work that, that our, our, our battle is not just between flesh and blood, but between the spiritual forces at work. But then the Bible also goes on to tell us that uh, to combat that is, is, is not necessarily, and this is where I think sometimes we get off, is I think um, oftentimes 
there are certain folks who make that spiritual battle, um, how do I say this, all-encompassing. And, uh, and when in actuality, and, and, and it, you know, there is a certain amount that, that it affects us greatly, but the, the solution that Jesus and Scripture gives us is more simplistic than I think we, mm. we understand. I think we twist it in, in a lot of ways to make it bigger than it, than it should be. But uh, Ephesians, Paul talks about the, the arm, armor of God, you know, putting on the armor of God, understanding the truth uh, of God, um, standing firm with that, that truth buckled around our waist. Or, um, uh, for example, the, the breastplate of righteousness, which has to do with who, who we are in Christ through what he's done for us. Um, and it goes on to the different elements of, of that, which actually come back to our faith in Christ and, and knowing that, that God is, is all-powerful, um, and we should trust him with whatever happens in that realm. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's mm-hmm. my, yeah. Okay, and, and so for somebody to explain that without sounding crazy, you just say consider that it might be just as arrogant to um, take the other view, uh, yeah. that there is nothing. Yeah, I would, and, okay. and to remember that, that, that we are a product of of uh, still today, the age of enlightenment and, and this, this idea that, that, that we depend so much on our senses. Um, yeah, one thing I would add to that is I think sometimes it's healthy to say, I don't have to share everything that I believe in every context. Mm. And what I mean by that is simply to say, you know, there's some people who you know won't um, understand or appreciate your view. And mm-hmm. so you're not being disingenuous just to say, you know what, I don't need to spend time. In fact, there's a text, I think it's Mm -hmm. in Luke, where it says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Mm -hmm. And the idea of it is not to take what's precious and give it to people um, who really won't appreciate its value. And so I think that can even be seen as a biblical idea at some point to say, you know what, it's okay for me to say, I see this and believe it. They may not, I don't need to convince them of anything. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a time to, to, mm-hmm. to wade into it because it might be an opportunity to present something mm-hmm. that's true. But just like uh, to a child, you don't always share everything with a child. Right. You start with um, where they are. That's right. right? And then yeah. you move forward. And some of the spiritual truths that are, that are maybe more challenging to our modern culture mm-hmm. to say, I, I can wait uh, to share those rather than having to lead with those, I think is a step of prudence ultimately. I totally agree. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So this is in the same vein. It's about mm-hmm. Satan's power. Can Satan be in more than one place at a time? It seems as though people generally feel that whether praying silently or aloud, Satan can hear their thoughts. He's not all-knowing, yet he's commonly treated as though he is. So, so I'm not sure exactly what the question no, yeah. here is, but um, other than kind of can you uh, just opine or maybe right. not opine, but tell us what Scripture says about Satan. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, Satan is a creation of God. He is one of God's created beings, number one. Uh, So that in and of itself means he's not God. He's not omnipotent. He doesn't know everything. He's not all present. He's not present everywhere like God is. There are big distinguishing differences there we need to remember about Satan in in terms of that. Um, The uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 is where where I went to immediately when I first thought of this, uh, when I first saw this question. And, uh, and it says, uh, um, you know, it talks about how, actually, no, this is not, yeah, oh, sorry, five, eight, my, my fault. So it says, be alert and, so, uh, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. 
uh, resist him by standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, I, I do think, number one, that this analogy to, again, comparing Satan to another created being that is prowling around, I, I think it actually kind of speaks, again, more to the fact that he's prowling around, which means he might be over here or he might be over here, but he's not necessarily everywhere. I think sometimes Satan is referred to, though, in, in light of, or the term Satan, in light of uh, the, the greater demonic, if you will, activity that, that's, that's happening. And so Satan, along with demons uh, who are fallen angels, again, created beings of God, are all working together um, in some way, shape, or form to, uh, to sabotage God's redemptive purposes. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember that. Um, and so, but Satan himself is definitely a created being, definitely within the confines of being a created being, Mm -hmm. uh, is not all powerful. But you're right. Often in our culture, people will talk about Satan as if like, you know, the the classic, you know, the devil made me do it thing, Mm -hmm. you know, often going that way. And it's interesting because I've found that not that I, I, uh, how how do I say this? Not that I dismiss Satan altogether, but I, I have enough, (laughs) I have enough issues dealing with my own sin, which will sabotage Mm -hmm me uh, in mm-hmm. my relationship with God. And, uh, and so while I acknowledge Satan, I almost feel like uh, sometimes we need to focus in, in some sense on more about depending on Christ for the sake of, of our own sin that they could thwart us, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Well, it's, um, you can fall into one of two extremes here. One is Satan's re- responsible for everything, and the other is Satan's responsible for nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and Yes, it's true that Satan is not omnipresent like God. So Satan can't be harassing you at your house and me at my house simultaneously. Yeah. Um, but that shouldn't give us a false, that, that should just be helpful in saying he's a localized being as opposed to an omnipresent being, which is true of God. Um, but his demons um, do um, uh, function. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes when we use the word Satan or the devil, we're using it as a blanket term for his minions, yes. his demons. That's right. And, and so if I say something like, well, you know, boy, I really felt like Satan was attacking this week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a true statement, even though if I step back and think about it, what I mean is Satan's legions yes. are, ha- right. have been at work. Yep. And there are spiritual forces, and usually they come in ways that are under the radar. In fact, I think it is it uh, James uh, 3 mm-hmm. that, uh, that says something that's really um, profound in my estimation. Uh, not that all of Scripture isn't profound. I uh, <laughs> have to be careful how I say that. <laughs> really? It makes it sound yeah, like right. there's just one Scripture. But um, <laughs> uh, it says this. It says, yeah. but if you harbor, this is verse 14, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unscriptural, and demonic. Mm-hmm. And so what that's almost saying is that, is that when you're in strife with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, when you have unhealthy ambition, in other words, an ambition to say, I want to be made much of, I want them to be um, put in their place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, want, I, I want this to be, like, like when there's tension, that somewhere in that tension, somebody's given themselves over to, to, to the demonic control. Um, And not control as in uh, possession or anything. I'm not talking about that, but I mean, they've allowed that influence to become part of their their thinking. And and that's really where we see this come to fruition is it's Mm -hmm. in our thinking. Right. Um, So whether you ever tab it to Satan, demons, or just to I had a thought, Mm -hmm. but what the Bible doesn't shy away from is, is even your 
your your human disrupted relationships yeah. are a lack of spiritual discernment yeah. um, at some level um, yeah. in that. And so and so the Bible's very clear about that. But I think we can we can refer to Satan in those ways, and yet it's helpful to say, but he's localized, he's not all powerful. And and this yeah. question talked about knowing thoughts. Yeah, right. And I think that's an important thing to to just mention. Mm-hmm. And that is, I don't believe that Satan knows thoughts right. um, because he's not yep. omniscient. He's not in your head um, knowing what you think. So he can yep. only, uh, Satan or demons can only respond to what you are doing or acting on. Now, that doesn't mean they can't influence your thoughts, mm-hmm. um, but that, I mean, television commercials influence right. my thoughts. So, so I mean, we're, we're being influenced all the time. Yep. Um, but, but I think that that's an important thing. Do you think there's overlap between... Uh, you know, the people being afraid to, to speak those words that Satan might hear it and kind of the word faith thing. I'm just, I'm just curious if there's some connection there. I, I'm sure there is so, yeah. some people who say, well, I don't want to say something that, that gives Satan an opportunity and this yeah, and that. But, right. but again, I, I look at it and say, you say what, what you want to say. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, like some people say, I don't want to ever speak a word of doubt. I don't want to give Satan an opportunity. Right. Um, well, I think, um, Jesus said even the demons doubt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or not true. Jesus, James or, did. Yeah. Uh, Jesus didn't say that. James did. I want to attribute that correctly. <laughs> but um, the, and the point I'm saying is that, is that saying something that, where you express what's true for you mm-hmm. is not um, giving Satan some grand opportunity right. as much as it's saying, I'm acknowledging. In fact, you might be giving Satan a better opportunity by denying what's real for you Great and acting point, like, yeah. like, like I don't have an issue with this and mm-hmm. pretending rather than saying, I'm not sure. Yeah. how this works or I and and so I referenced this in a message a while ago there was a lady who some time ago said to me um, she had been diagnosed with cancer and she had managed to tell me this without actually telling me that she had cancer mm-hmm. or using the word yeah and I said oh so so you know how long have you had the cancer I said something like that and she's like shh don't say the word yeah, right, right as if somehow the 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 word itself had a had a spell over her and she was not an Orchard Hill person, so uh, don't try to figure out who it is. But no, yeah. um, but but, the, but it's it's tricky because you can yeah. you can you can easily tip over into superstition in a sense. Absolutely, which which is another kind of uh, subtle way I think we can try to uh, take control ourselves. Or you end up um, not just superstition, but again you can abdicate personal responsibility. Yes. If I've been in, influenced by demonic forces here then I have no power. I have no control. And I don't think the Bible ever teaches us that we're out of control. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. obviously you can spin that different ways because God's word is, and God is the ultimate yeah. control. But, but even that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hyper reform thinking can mm-hmm. lead somebody to say, well, God must have foreordained that I do this. So therefore, mm. um, and again, it takes yeah. us out of responsibility and control and the Bible's big on responsibility. So, yep. So, okay, so uh, how, and this is a th- another mm-hmm. question here, Mike, how do you separate religion from faith? How much Christianity is about rule following and how much is just a personal relationship with Christ? How do you respond to someone who says they're anti-religion due to the perception that there are just too many rules and regulations? I love this question because okay. there, <laughs> I think it's funny. We saw this play out, um, I know on, on YouTube, for example, on social media, and I'm forgetting the, the guy's name right now who did the, the video that went viral about uh, not being about religion, but it being mm-hmm. about a personal relationship with Christ. And then you see a Catholic priest who responded to that saying, no, wait a second, religion is valid. 
Um, and I think there is this, this tension there because um, <laughs> I think that when we talk about uh, Christianity not being religion and, and that, it's, that it's this relationship with Christ, there, there's a larger context with regard to that that it comes from, mm -hmm. okay? And I think some people aren't as aware of that. And, and that is that, I, honestly, I think some of the roots date back to the Reformation, um, where uh, Luther kind of really pushed against this, the, the uh, dogmatic, maybe that's the wrong word for it, or the, the legalistic um, aspects of, of faith, and putting our faith in those versus putting our faith in, in the finished work of Christ. And, uh, and so religion isn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. In fact, going back to James, we've referenced James a lot, but James 1.27, it, um, uh, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So there's, in a sense, religion affirmed here, you know what I mean, in, in that sense. But I think what we're doing when we say that it's, it's, it's not about religion is we're trying to separate and, and, and reaffirm the fact that it's about faith in Christ and what he is doing mm -hmm. in us versus anything we can do to earn our standing right. before God. Yeah, that's well put. And, and you're absolutely right. It's, um, again, this can cut both ways. Mm -hmm. If the statement is about saying, don't get caught up in rule following because you'll never follow all the rules and it's ultimately about what Jesus has done, not how well you keep the rules, mm -hmm. great statement. Yep. But sometimes what people mean when they say something like that is, hey, it's not about the rules, um, so we can just jettison the rules as long as I'm That's cool right. with Jesus. Yep. And, and the point of the law, and in fact, sometimes people will say this in the law, I'm using it in the sense that the Bible talks about a law like the Ten Commandments and, mm -hmm. and even other things that, that became clear instruction from this text. Um, a, a right view of the law is not the law goes away, it's that the law is so high and so demanding that I need Jesus, not me, in order to meet it. Mm -hmm. And so when people want to get rid of rules, um, it's actually the wrong impulse, mm -hmm. unless they're human-made rules. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm making rules about the rules, um, then the, that's human-made religion, yeah. keep it. But, but if I'm saying I want to get rid of the, the Ten Commandments or I want to get rid of the clear instruction of Scripture, yep. that's not the gospel message either. The gospel message is, is they, there are standards right. and they are so intense yeah. that you will not meet them. Therefore, um, you need a savior. And, right. and, 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 so, and so I'm always cautious when people want to say, hey, it's just about following Jesus or something. You right. know, here's another one that's, that's popular today. Mm -hmm. um, the red letter only kind of thinking yeah. where it says, I'm a red letter Christian. And what they mean by that is there's some versions of the Bible that put the words of Christ in red. Um, and so they'll say, well, those are really the key teachings. Everything else is secondary. And what they're saying is I don't like some of the, new, the later New Testament stuff that seems to be more culturally offensive and arbitrary. So I just choose to take the red letters. Um, but again, what they're doing in sense is saying, I don't like a bunch of the standards. So I'm going to get rid of them and just choose these standards because yep. I like these standards. These, I, these everyone can agree on. Let, let's just get rid of the other stuff. Um, to me, yep. that seems to have a two-tiered inerrancy and authority of the scripture yep. um, that misses something. Yeah, like the, it, it asked, uh, how do we respond to those who say they're anti-religion? 
and it's interesting that in the question that he says that or she says that, but so what is anti-religion? Is that anti-church? Is that mm -hmm. anti-community? Is that anti-denominational affiliation? I don't think mm -hmm. that's necessarily the heart of, of Christ, mm -hmm. you know, that we be, um, like you said, we're, we're throwing out some very legitimate things to try to, uh, in, in fact, the more <laughs> that gets close to her heresy is when you focus in on one thing so much that it becomes the only thing mm -hmm. at the expense of, of the, the rest of the, the whole of the good of what God mm -hmm. is, is calling us to. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. Well, Mike, thank you. Yeah. And again, if you have questions, you can send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com. We'll be happy to address them. And uh, thank you for spending part of your day here. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.